Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Second Estate, where I cannot be bothered to talk about the investigation into the whereabouts of Nicole Scherzinger's dignity this week because it's too painful of a reminder of the fact it's been 10 years since J-Ho came out. Over 10 years, actually. Wow. 11. Um, That's pretty crazy. It is horrifying. So uh, anyway, as always, we are your hosts. I'm Sarah Bayer. I'm Hannah Seymour, and in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the video Grimes uploaded to TikTok of her saying that AI is the fastest path to communism. Naomi Osaka withdrawing from the French Open after boycotting um, doing the press after matches, and finally deep diving into Sophia Bush's recent comments about the onset environment of One Tree Hill. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, it's... um, it's an inch, a different lineup. We're not doing a review, mm. but we were saying we, we've been doing reviews a lot lately. So no reviews this time. Sorry if you yeah. like them, I guess. I don't know if people like them. Although TikTok doesn't like them. So oh, no, when we, do, when we do reviews, we tend to get a ham, the most hate on TikTok. So yeah. maybe we're just going to avoid that for a week. <laughs> um, what, um, how, how's your second week of lockdown been, Hannah? It's good. Me and Angus moved house, uh, yes. which is very nice. So we've set up our little apartment. It's lovely. Yeah. Not that um, I've physically been there. No, you have not. Um, <laughs> it's against the law. But, um, yeah, it's good. It's. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. It, it sucks, but whatever. Yeah, it does. Like, I'm just kind of – I'm so, like, weirdly okay with it. I, I don't know why. I'm just kind of, like – I think I just it, can't be bothered being upset about it because it's just too much effort. I can't right. make myself feel anything towards us. <laughs> no, but I think that I don't that's know. where everybody in Victoria yeah. has got. If you're not, if you're listening to this from interstate or overseas, which you're probably not, but if you are, um, we are four percent American listeners. So oh, that's pretty cool. Um, we cool. we've um, like the state that we're in in Australia, Victoria, has been in lockdown almost more than anywhere else in the entire world, I think. And strictest lockdowns. Like we were in lockdown for like four months last year, like Mm -hmm. just continuously. And it was like really crazy, you know, couldn't go outside five kilometers of your home. There was a curfew, really full on lockdown. Um, Not like we, please don't gather. It was like, if you gather, you will be fined thousands of dollars. Yeah, Um, and you couldn't, like there was five kilometer radius around your house, like really hectic. No, not out. No, no one outside past nine p.m. Was that it? Yeah, we're probably we're, the only non-communist country that has <laughs> ever done something that hectic. Stringent lockdown, and everyone I just know. kind of did it. Um, so yeah, it's honestly there, I feel like it's, it's Stockholm syndrome a little bit when you go probably lockdown. Like I'm like, okay, no worries. Um, well, it's you just can't. You, there's nothing you can do to fight it. Um, that's true. And I think. Yeah, I mean, how are you, are you are you feeling about it? I mean, I've been, I've probably sent you screenshots of this, but my YouTube watching history is getting out of control. No, you haven't. What, oh, well, I, I swear I sent this to you. I watched a full, the full five and a half minutes of a video titled Little Mix Communicating with Sound Technicians. Um, oh, you did which was send me a quite entertaining. Of this. What was it? What was interesting about that? It's literally them like pointing to their earpiece and going like, up, like, like volume up into their earpiece kind of thing that's like, pretty normal 
No, yeah, it really wasn't anything oh, crazy. It I thought maybe just, they had a special way of communicating no, with sound No, no, it's just them sort of like signalling to the sound tech backstage <laughs> on, and being like, I can't hear the guitar. <laughs> and that was, it was, uh, so that's where we're at. Isn't it <laughs> amazing that people, I mean, not only do people care enough about Little Mix communicating with sound technicians to make a YouTube video yeah. about it, but people like you care enough to watch that YouTube It had video. millions of views. I, I, I kind of want to watch it. I don't yeah. know why. I'm just curious. <laughs> I think it's because if you were going to watch it, you'd probably assume there must be something interesting about them yeah. communicating. So. No, I just and I've seen like not not little mix specifically, but some fans are so dedicated to like editing together a specific live performance. Like you know when you search someone live and it's just at a concert, like it wasn't them like at the VMAs or anything. And it's yeah. just grainy video on someone's phone and yeah. they're like zoomed yeah, into yeah, the yeah. screen rather than the stage and that. Yeah. There's people who take those videos from the same performance night and cut them up as a multi-camera experience. So you're getting like the person from like the mosh pit, the person from row, row That's D, so the cool person though. from row double K, like yeah. all these different angles of this live performance in like, you know, Adelaide on November 26th, 2018. Like they, people do this stuff. Um, People are immensely talented. And have they are. <laughs> yeah. I guess they're probably like 13. So that's, what else that's are they going to do? That's true. Um, Go to okay. <laughs> yeah. But when they're not at school, I mean, I, do you remember how much time we had? Oh, like, I did some whack shit in my, in my days. Yeah. But making videos, like weird videos. Yeah. I used to do that all the yeah. time. I once did it with my friend. We should get started. But one mm. time with my friend, we remade shot for shot one of Community Channel's YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't change it at all. We just filmed it shot for shot and we did. We put it on YouTube. Obviously, it got no views, but it was just like for some reason we just decided. Decided to waste your afternoon with that. Yeah. And you know how Community Channel usually has like two of her? Yeah. It was the two of us who look completely different doing it. <laughs> so it just didn't work. No. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Let's start. That's okay. Um. Okay. So last week, Grimes uploaded a TikTok video that has amassed almost 3 million views as of when I wrote these notes on Saturday, so two days ago. In the video, Grimes describes a proposition for the communists, quote, as to why artificial intelligence is actually the fastest path to communism. So um, this, this generated pretty swift backlash. If you don't know, Grimes, while a producer, DJ, musician in her own right, is married to Elon Musk, um, but on both Twitter and TikTok and people were basically attacking her for talking about communism or trying to associate herself with communists when she's married to Elon Musk, who is either the second, first or third richest person in the world. I couldn't figure out yeah, I don't know. which one because it seems to swap with Jeff Bezos and someone else, Bezos, sorry, someone else every month. Anyway, mm. regardless, people don't like it because Elon Musk is for all intents and purposes very much a capitalist. Um, so... Sarah, what were your first thoughts when you saw Grimes's TikTok video? Um, I just, it's been ringing in my ears for days. <laughs> like, I think, I feel like it's too funny not to be self-aware. Like the, the, the quote in Force Farming is not a vibe with like the lisp. It's really funny. Like, I agree. It's, it's, it's almost too funny to just be like unintentional. I don't know. It, I, it's so enthralling. It um, all her TikToks to me feel like a high school presentation by the Ocean Facts girl. 
from from that cut video. You know the Ocean Facts girl. No. You know I've yeah, showed her that video. That the she's, girl like, that... <laughs> she's the one that's that. Uh, it's this video. The that, really weird one. The cut that mag- I don't know if it's a magazine, what website, or whatever. Yeah, that um there was this girl that featured on some random YouTube series that they did, and she kept going. Does anyone want to tell? Does anyone want to hear Ocean Facts? And then we'd. Get- <laughs> She's like the one that goes, Nina, Nina, if anyone. Yeah, 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 anyway, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about, yeah. Um, that's, what her, that's what Grimes reminded me of. It was actually like I didn't even pay any attention to the words or give them any credit because I just purely found it entertaining and assumed it was just entertainment. I think, um, sorry, just off the bat to change the <laughs> topic slightly, I didn't realise no, how on point Benny Drama's impression of Grimes was until I watched <laughs> this <laughs> video. If you don't have Benny Drama, he's just a very funny comedian on Instagram and TikTok. But she really does talk like that. (laughs) Anyway, um, no, I found it quite funny how angry everyone was in reaction to this. Yeah. Um, And I wrote the the line, I think she might have done this on purpose just to be like a troll or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think she's well aware that she's not a communist. She knows she's married to Elon Musk. And if you look at recent, not even recent, but interviews with her over the years, um, she has described herself like the the backlash that she kind of received when she started mm. dating Elon Musk because she'd previously kind of had this identity as like she had in her Twitter bio before she got with him anti-imperialist and she'd yeah, spoken right. about communism but she'd also spoken about like AI. Like she's kind of a bit all over the place in mm. her political beliefs. Um, but people tried to claim that when she started dating Elon Musk, she removed the anti-imperialist thing from her Twitter bio and she had to come out and be like, I removed that ages ago. I don't know why people think I just did it now. Yeah. But anyway, the whole kind of distaste for Grimes because of her association with Elon Musk has been happening for the past couple of years since she started dating him. Um, And I feel like in the particular interview she did with crack magazine random but she talked about how she's just going to lean in this is in 2019 lean into being a villain and, yeah, idea, right. and she made the anthropocene or whatever her album was called which is about being a villain which so i think now she's just kind of like you're gonna fucking hate me anyway so i might as yeah. well just do things that will get me attention and like rile you up well, you know yeah, i know like, i completely agree with you i don't think like i think a lot of people were just like um, sweetie, what are you talking about? You're married to Elon. And like you said, it's not like she doesn't know that. Yeah. She's also like, she's like, oh, true. He's a billionaire. Yeah. What? She knows. <laughs> she's also, she's 33. Like she's completely aware of what yeah. she's doing and who she's with. She's and very like, smart as well. She like, is. Yeah. You don't have, people underestimate weird people, I guess, a lot of the yeah. time um, for not being smart. But it's like Trisha Paytas. Like people wouldn't, yeah. Trisha's smart. She knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like and and Grimes is smart. She knows what she's doing. Like she, you, there's a video that she posted as like a follow up to it, where there's a moment where like Elon says something about Bitcoin in the background of the video, and it's obviously <laughs> completely staged. And like, yeah. then I saw someone comment on that, being like, "Okay, guys, you can kind of see now that this is completely self aware. She knows what she's doing." Yeah. Like I, I think. I don't know. Obviously, there is a disparity between what she's saying and kind of her fan base or who she used to identify with and who she's married to. There's no way she doesn't know that. She's just having fun. I think so. She's having fun. Which makes me kind of like her more. Um, Yeah, like I think she, based on her behaviour in the past, it seems like she kind of just 
says things mm. and just has ideas and just comes, yeah, she just just comes, comes up, up with interesting things, and, you know, just says things. And like she, the thing is you can't, somebody of that much kind of people know her, what's the word? Notoriety. Um, can't get away with, you know, saying, they can't saying, get away with saying anything. So yeah. she might as well just say random shit. Yeah, I, I also um I think it's interesting, you know, obviously this has been brought into the the conversation about, you know, um, how it's actually a line from Gossip Girl and Blair says it's unfair to Nate's mum that yeah. she will be, that a woman is always a reflection of the man she's with. Yeah. And I do kind of wonder if she was a guy mm. married to a woman who was really rich, whether he would be as much a reflection of mm. her I mean I'm well, sure it would still come I, down to it but I I feel like people now view Grimes she's sort of been removed from her existing image as like yeah quite successful in her own right yeah and now she's Elon Musk's wife yeah rather than somebody who can actually potentially have not that these are necessarily her views but she can actually have different views to him oh for sure he's she, allowed to be can. a separate you know even if she benefits from his material wealth she is allowed to think differently to him and I think people we do well to remember that even if people are married they still might disagree on a lot of fundamental things of course and I think that that's the problem with the internet and TikTok specifically there is no room for nuance or understanding of human of of human beings outside of like one sort of one minute video or 20 second video people don't people exist with dualities in every facet of their life constantly Mm. and contradictions in every facet of their life it's part of being a person um relationships are constantly contradictory and while on like a very fundamental like moral ethical basis it is hypocritical for grimes to have claimed this this sort of anti-imperialist montreal artist aesthetic for so long and then marry like one of the or the richest man in the world at some point he was the richest yeah right exactly more jeff bezos yeah but it's so right so she marries one of the richest men in the world um Yes, on paper and as an ethical sort of dilemma as a person that, or as a figure rather than a person, that that's wrong. But at the end of the day, she's actually is a human being who has like many sort of contradictory, contradictory facets to her personality, and that's just how life works. Yeah, and people hold famous people or, uh, you know political people or what you know I mean politicians are a bit different because they're like elected representatives of people so you actually do have to have an expectation of behavior and and um their flip-flopping is actually pretty fucking well theirs because they don't stick to their principles yeah exactly they have that's something that those are people who should be held accountable for those things but like Grimes has literally no um obligation to act in any specific way to anyone yeah i'm sure it's disappointing to specific people who like her to do specific things but like try being a kanye west fan because that's harder (laughs) um that's harder and he really says some shit (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um, and i guess it it comes down to as well like people people say all kinds of things yeah people say all kinds of things that they don't mean Mm. you know like it's interesting how anything we've ever said now we we are glued to even though we all fucking change our minds and we we morph and we you know and even if the other thing about this as well um is that 
even though I do think she doesn't believe what she's saying, mm. and I think it is a gag, um, hypothetically, if she was being serious yeah. about I think she comment, might believe some of yes. the stuff. I but just she's, think it's a I actually a think, yes, even if it's hypocritical, mm. I actually think she's still allowed to feel that way about socialism or communism or fucking right. the AI overlords, whatever. Yeah. Um, she's allowed, I still think she's allowed to feel that way and think those things and look at Elon Musk or whatever he's doing with Tesla as a means to an end. You know, she's allowed Mm -hmm. to be a kind of, have those conflicting opinions. Um, but just before we move on, there was something, a bit tidbit from crack magazine that I wanted to Mm. share, which I think you'll enjoy. So in possibly this. The second worst thing that could befall a medium celeb- medium level celebrity with a conflicted relationship to the media, Boucher, that's Grimes, mm. allegedly invited Azalea Banks to Musk's house for a collaboration, then stood her up, leaving Banks to witness Musk unsuccessfully scrambling to avoid legal action after tweeting about taking Tesla public. A situation that saw Banks and Boucher suppone how do you say that word? Subpoenaed? Subpoenaed, that's it. Opponent subpoenaed to preserve all relevant communications, an evidently banana situation that drove the press wild. <laughs> I had no idea this happened, but she if invited the name Azalea-, Azalea Banks is in, in involved in anything. It is automatically insane. Yes, but God. the fact that they then were subpoenaed and they had to like preserve all their communications, even though Grimes fully stood her up. But but <laughs> Azalea Banks was at Elon Musk's house. Seeing him scratch, like him in the middle of the tweeting about taking oh Tesla God. public, <laughs> like it's really, really amazing. It um, is really funny. No, I, so, um, I just wanted to quickly ask you before we move on, like, what is your, uh, like, feeling about AI technology and oh. advancement of AI? Um, unavoidable. So, really, yeah, I'm so scared of it. I hate oh. it. I used to be really scared of it and now I'm just like, oh, what? I guess I have this like inherent. I feel. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, I was just going to say I have this inherent fear that like it will turn out to be like that movie Ex Machina, if you've seen it. No, is it anything like iRobot? I can't remember iRobot. The Will Smith one where all the robots like attack. Well, basically, yeah, it's like this AI girl who like gains sentience and manipulates this guy into letting her out. And then she like locks him in. Um some random soundproof house in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, it's beside the point. Like I, I have this inherent fear that AI, all of AI will turn out to be like ex machina, but really it's just algorithms that like figure out when I'm on my period and, and suggest Uber Eats <laughs> <laughs> meals based on I that. know. Like, I reckon AI will become sentient. Um, that's disgusting. That is horrifying. I don't I really looked at this computer to be sentient ever. I think AI will come become sentient and that will be the evolution of that human race. We will all die and AI will be all that's left. Probably. Hopefully we won't be alive for that. I would just rather – I'm not too stressed because I assume I'll be dead and I don't <laughs> plan on procreating, so I'm not yeah. leaving anyone here to deal with it. So <laughs> Unless I do yeah. have kids and then maybe I'll stress, but hopefully it wouldn't be in their lifetime either. Anyway. I don't know. It could be. Yeah, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Okay, so 
Uh, this week, number two ranked tennis player in the world, Naomi Osaka, withdrew from the French Open over a dispute between her and the officials as to whether or not she had to do press conferences post-game. Osaka said she has suffered long bouts of depression and that the press conferences made her anxious and she did not want to partake, to which uh, officials responded by finding her $15,000 and said if she continues to ignore her media obligations, she could suffer further code of conduct infringements leading her to withdraw from the tournament altogether and sparking the conversation of whether or not athletes should have to face the media as, quote-unquote, part of their jobs. Hannah, what did you think about this story? I think it's quite complex because mm. the sort of there's two sides to the argument. There's the central idea that um, – sports people, particularly in a sport like tennis, need to do press because um, it's part of what generates income for the sport. Mm -hmm. So, like, if they weren't doing press, if we didn't get to hear them talk about it, would there be fewer people interested in engaging with the sport and would that then lead to, you know, fewer sponsorships, less money being pumped into it, and then eventually, you know, the sports people themselves aren't making money. So Mm -hmm. there's that kind of, like, domino effect. And then there's the other side of it is that Naomi Osaka in this quite specific instance Mm. basically said she's really struggling with her mental health Mm. um, and has said basically was willing to pay, you know, a $100,000 fine. I think was, I don't think it was that much, but, you know, she was willing to pay the fine for not showing up to the press conferences, but then was threatened with further punishment of not being able to actually get the title if she was going to win. Um which I thought that particular action on the side of the French Open in this specific instance of someone being mm. like, I'm really struggling and I can't do this part. I'll pay whatever fine you want me to pay, but I just can't do mm. it this time. And then being like, well, we're threatening you with disqualification. Seemed like a pretty harsh response yeah. given the current climate around mental health. For like sure. it seemed I get it if we're talking more broadly about yeah. whether players should have to do press. Yeah, no, definitely. But when it's someone specifically talking about, you know, if it was a physical injury, we really should be looking at, like, if she's got bad depression mm. and anxiety, we should be looking at that as though it is an actual, in my opinion, as though it is yeah. an actual kind of illness. So I did think it was an, a pretty shocking response, I guess, from the yeah. French Open to have that threat to disqualify her, especially because she was willing to pay. So, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think, no, I agree. I think that's also probably the reason they took such harsh uh, or had such a harsh reaction is because they're French. I <laughs> First <did>. and foremost. <laughs> um, and yeah. they don't, like, they don't, it's not that they, it's not even suffering fools. They just don't take kindly to being told what to do, I guess, especially by someone with an, an American, American accent. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I see both sides of this. Yeah. Really, like, I, it's almost an equal weight. Like, I think mm-hmm. I understand that argument of, like, they tennis players are paid so much money. Yeah. They are paid millions of dollars to compete in these yeah. tournaments. And, like, the media is, no matter which way you, like, sh- uh, shake it, I don't know what the, the reference quote is, but mm. no matter what way you look at it, the media is what generates the public interest, therefore the sponsorship dollars, and then those fat-as-fuck paychecks yeah. for the tennis players. And, like... It's comparatively to what a lot of regular people do day to day, not that fucking hard. But at the same time, like Naomi Osaka herself, like as as you were saying, a specific case, she's had a really interesting career as a player and she's found herself wrapped up in drama that isn't really typical of a tennis player of 
or a person even of someone who is very polite and shy like she is that's her Mm. kind of like the controversies that have been around her are usually reserved for like a nick curios so i understand like because he like courts the controversy if you will Mm. but like for her like it would take a major toll on you because if like i've i've sort of watched a fair bit of her tennis just i think she's just a really great player she's one of my favorite players to watch and like Mm. she has always been very very shy and very reserved and really has never liked the press but also in times of having to face the press has faced like um unusually like intense circumstances like i don't know if Mm -hmm. um you saw her us open final the one that she won against serena williams Oh, was that the one where Serena Williams like cracked it? Yeah, and Serena yeah. was like having basically like it was almost unsportsmanlike her yeah. reaction. I also love Serena Williams. She's mm-hmm. a fantastic tennis player and I love watching her play. But it was not unsportsmanlike to the umpire who was sort of giving Serena a hard time, but it made it really hard for Naomi because mm. like everyone was sort of booing Naomi. When, like everyone wanted Serena to see, to see Serena win and it was this awful sort of way that Naomi had to win in the end because the umpire mm-hmm. had to basically had to keep Serena was like um in tennis you can get uh points add like taken off or added to the other player or whatever happens uh whichever way it happens or games given to the other player um like a whole game because if you continuously like behave badly so like abuse to the umpire mm. racket abuse what have you so Mm. that ended up happening to serena and so it it was kind of like poor naomi one off the back of like her idol sort of like having a massive issue with the with the game it was just a really awful way to win and it's like set the tone for this poor girl yeah for her whole career and so i do think like there has Mm. to be some sort of individual case by case basis but what do you do then if other players i mean and it's not to say that this would actually happen because I don't really think it would and I'd be interested to see what you think about this. But that thing, the concern is, I guess, of the tennis governing body is being like, well, if she does this, what's to stop every player in the tournament saying they're having a bad mental health period of their t- of life and therefore they can't do it, which I don't think necessarily would happen. But, yeah, I'm interested to see what you think. Yeah, it's hard to know. I think, you know, perhaps they would because if it mm. – it looks like, to give people context if they haven't read about this, it's like tennis players have to come off a match they've just played mm-hmm. and immediately talk to press. And if they've lost, they're having to talk about the game that they just lost, which, mm. you know, people get really fucking into, especially elite tennis players. It's mm. it's probably a pretty emotional experience when you're really fucking wanting to win and you don't. Definitely. And then having to... you're tired you want to go home whatever and then having to field questions about your loss it would be probably pretty it would wig you out yeah Um, it would not be fun and it's traditionally it's something for team sports something the coach has to do the players might have to maybe the captain goes with the coach but like you know it's it's way less of a thing that a team sport person has to go through yeah and i guess no no you're fine i think like the thing about them doing it is it does open them up to um you know, dialogue, press can get quotes so that when they're reporting on the game, they've got actual direct dialogue from the players themselves. And it also means that people, when they're watching the game, are able to interact with the player directly so they get a vibe for what they like or whatever, Mm -hmm. which might make people more interested. But at the same time, when I was – I can't remember exactly when this was introduced, like having – because it wasn't always like that when tennis was was televised, having Mm. the press conferences immediately after the games – 
I don't even know if they had them, but it was before we had social media. And I do also kind of wonder how much of a role the press, those press conferences really do play in popularizing the sport when players already have that direct Mm. line to, to their audience through social media. Um, and if they're going to be interviewed elsewhere, maybe at different times, like if they do press conferences at the end of the whole tournament or whatever, rather than it, you know, Mm. I guess I sort of wonder about whether the mechanics of it, if they were to change them, how much of an impact it would actually have. Like, even if all the players were like, well, I don't want to do it either. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to know. Like, I get that it would have an impact, but I, well, just I guess the how impact much. that's going to have is one sponsors and the people who serve to make money out of it wouldn't like that. Because the reason that you sponsor a big event like this is because journalists are in that press gallery every single match they're there when Federer loses to Nadal or vice versa or whatever they're there mm. when these big names are, are uh, explaining their loss they get their quote therefore they can write up an article I mean I guess they can still write an article being like Federer lost to Nadal um the next day but they, but if you it's don't more interesting have that, when you get to hear what, right yeah and so it's of it, yeah exactly and like what mm. you know and often some players like like Nick Curios is in Bernard Tomic like there's people in those press conferences who can get a bit feisty and what have you so Serena Williams often can get quite frustrated in them mm-hmm. and so like I guess it provides fodder for journalists it's who then write articles who then draw eyeballs to watching the game yeah. and therefore Rolex gets their name recognized you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's all yeah. a big cycle of really it's about money um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But those kind of, yeah, it's a really tricky situation because I personally don't think that all players would opt out of doing them if they won. It's it's when yeah. they're losing that it's hard because like a lot of these players and a lot of professional sports people, like a lot of general people are massive show ponies. Yeah. Like if you think about tennis players, like, like Nadal, Curios, fucking Leighton Hewitt, even like yeah. Margaret Court. Like, yeah. I don't know, they, they're all pretty like... Margaret Court seems to they, love talking to the They press. love so, talking to the press. They love yeah. the cameras, all that stuff. So I'm kind of like, um, they would probably do it, but I can see hissy fits being thrown because a lot of them do love a hissy fit mm. and not doing it when they lose. And it's like, will they also take the million dollar pay cut that comes from the fact that, the, I don't know, the sponsors pulled out because they won't fulfill the media obligations, therefore they're losing revenue. I don't know. It's really tricky. Well, who's the guy that has, that people were ha- in Australia were hating the tennis player because he wrote that letter to the government about players being in quarantine? Oh, I... Uh, you know the guy? He's it, from, like, Serbia? Um, it's, it's, he, he's, like, the, the best player in the world. Um, Serbia tennis... Player. Djokovic. Djokovic. I think it was him. Um, you know, I read this in one article that he boycotted some major match he'd had. Yeah. He just didn't go to the press after and he, he copped the fine. He just yeah. didn't go to one because he lost. Yeah. So it's not unheard of for players yeah. to go. I think that's why the fine is in place because they know players won't, if they lose, probably won't want to do the press. And he of probably course. just went, I'm in such a fucking bad mood. I don't want to do this. Right. I've got enough money. I'll just cop the $15,000 fine or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so in specific instances, yeah, it's not unheard mm. of, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't. I don't. I think it's got to be case by case. It's got to be an open yeah. dialogue with the event organizers. You know, like Naomi tried to do, probably. 
and it's pretty huge though for us a name excuse me Naomi Osaka to now not be in the French Open at all yeah, because crazy. that's bad for the French Open no like yeah, quite bad yeah I mean she, people love her like she's huge yeah she is so really, it's really popular player. it's um oh yeah yeah no anyway. I, I agree no I think it's 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 really hard they've got to it's got to be, I think, only the only way they can really make it work is a case-by-case basis and looking at it and going, okay, obviously Naomi has a history of being really nervous to public speak mm. and it's clearly affecting her on-court performance as well. Yeah, right. Because she can't just focus on the tennis because she's constantly, like, paranoid about the other stuff that goes alongside it and there are mm. some – like Ash Barty came out and she's like, it doesn't really phase me. Yeah. So, you know, and she's number one. So it's kind of like clearly it's just person by person and, and Naomi yeah. is someone who's really specifically affected by it. But she's just so sweet and lovely that like you almost just want to be like, can you just give her a free pass and make the rest yeah. of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is it's like what – it's it will be interesting to see how it's navigated because mm. – I think most other players, like Ash Barty saying it doesn't phase me. Like, there are players who probably just, like, whatever. It just doesn't mm. bother them for whatever mm. reason. Um, you know, but specifically for someone with pretty serious depression and anxiety, mm. it probably is an issue. So it's like, is it just the case where we go, all right, uh, Yeah. do, it, do tournaments hard. have a specific agreement with her based on... Yeah, but uh, then it's knows? like if you're an unknown player just coming in, they're not going to do that for you. No. They're not going to make a specific – and it's like almost you have to do those press conferences to get your name out there so that Nike will sponsor you and whatever. It is it is quite a difficult – I don't know I don't know the answer. Like obviously I don't. I'm not mm. the tennis fucking World Tennis Federation president. Like I don't have an answer. But it is a really tricky conversation. Mm. All right. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Uh, Just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of The Second Estate was proudly sponsored by the Give the Great British Bake Off back to the BBC so that Mary Berry can come back as judge campaign. I'm I'm a happy signee of that petition. Um, I don't really know if it's a campaign or a foundation or a petition. I'm not sure. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But regardless, we, we, we really support the idea of Mary Berry coming back to the Great British Bake Off, but because she is a woman of um, class and yeah. and sticks to her principles, loyalty. loyalty, she left the Great British Bake Off in 2016 because it left the BBC and she felt that it was a show that should be with the BBC. So fucking Fact. queen, mm-hmm. give it back to the BBC so that we can have her back. No hate to Prue, whatever her name is. She seems yeah. lovely. But she is no Mary Berry. No, there's there's no – she's the only Mary Berry. There As will Prince be, never Louis be will always agree. <laughs> yeah. No one holds the torch to Mary Berry. It's very true. I love her so much. Yes, like, <laughs> I love her. What's the anyway, guy's name? Something Hollywood. Paul Hollywood. That's it. <laughs> he's, he's, I quite like him. He's, he's just so such random. an arsehole. It's so random. Yeah, it's so funny. The fact his name is Paul Hollywood as well. So. He, Hollywood is his surname. His real surname? His real surname. I love that. So I know. Um, anyway, all right. uh, okay. let's move on. So, Sophia Bush, uh, an actress who you might remember from John Tucker Must Die or the show One Tree Hill, went on a podcast this week uh, and spoke about her experience from 
on the set of that program, One Tree Hill, for its nearly 10-year run. Uh, she said she's had made lifelong friends um, and fond memories from the experience, but also detailed how manipulative the producers and other executives were toward the cast, saying specifically the now-disgraced showrunner Mark Schwann uh, would work to pit the cast against each other so that they didn't band together and ask for more money. Uh, he was also emo emotionally manipulative and sexually inappropriate. Um, and abusive to some women on the set. Uh, today, we wanted to discuss not just Sophie's comments about One Tree Hill, but the wider trend of manipulation of young actors uh, in those breakout sort of TV roles. Um, Hannah, firstly, did you ever watch One Tree Hill? I've seen like a, some of the first season. Yeah, right. I haven't. I'm, I'm planning on fully watching it because I assume it's right up my alley. Um. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things, but I guess, you know, what's interesting about this um, is that shows that we loved, you know, and it's a, it's in the same sort of ballpark of um, Gossip Girl, The O.C., mm -hmm. Dawson's Creek. Um, I don't think any of those other shows have been quite as tainted as this one was because Mark Schwann, who created One Tree Hill, like two years ago, the entire female cast and crew banded mm -hmm. together and wrote an open letter basically saying he was sexually abusive and he um he got knocked he got basically kicked off this e show that he was doing yeah, called the royals yeah. um but i wonder how much it kind of you know and it, this is a question for you i guess because mm. you watch one tree hill you know he created it and like the the time, you know, obviously we, sorry, I'm not getting my words out properly, but often you go and look back on shows and they've aged really poorly. Right. But in this case, it's not only that it's probably aged poorly, but also you know that there's all this context behind the show that's like. Elfish. Sorry. Um, no, no, you're fine. <laughs> there's all this context behind the show that is really toxic. Like, yeah, right. Does it affect your the watching experience when you know that the, the women, the actresses are being abused it's and like. I yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched it since. I haven't watched yeah. it for years. And that's one of the things I was trying to like rack my brain and remember because in this interview, Sophia Bush talks a lot about how sexualized the girls and how girls were on the show or specifically her because her character was kind mm -hmm. of the like slutty, uh, slutty cheerleader. Yeah. Like that yeah. was her character. Mm. Um, and like also she spoke about how the dialogue was like a male fantasy of what yeah. women actually speak or interact yeah. like you know female friends or whatever and like it's really funny because i i guess i watched this show probably when i was like 15 14 mm. 15 or like i don't know when i can't remember what year it ended until it ended i guess and so yeah. i'm like i don't really remember specifically obviously that being the case but in saying that most shows we watched probably had an air of that or had a, an element of that kind of dialogue or of mm -hmm. oversexualization for sure over like hypersexualization of yeah not just teenage girls but teenagers in general yeah um and so it doesn't necessarily like light some match in my head it doesn't spark yeah, so I'm like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that's that's so true because yeah. like it's just everything we absorb absorb was pretty similar mm. but it sucks that the guy who created obviously it's not, it sucks way less for me as someone who watched it yeah than poor women on set who are subjected to him yeah um but it is yeah. like shitty uh I like I wouldn't not watch it but um it does sort of definitely it's, it's a very different lens that you watch something mm. through um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like, 
you still go back and watch things. I guess it's the same thing, like whether we can, you know, because often if you watch a show that's really aged badly mm. or you hear certain jokes and you're like, you know, you notice yeah. it now. At least I do. Like even watching Sex in the City now, I'm like, sometimes they say things yeah. like, just so good. Why? I didn't realize even when in like 20, you know, 13, yeah. when I watched this as a teenager, I didn't realize how Bring bad some of the perfect thi- example. Of yes. That. Yeah. Um, but I do kind of like the fact that Sophia Bush has kind of looked back on this show and sort of made those comments about the dialogue. It's, it's, yeah. it's nice to hear someone who obviously I'm sure she loves, she's still friends with everyone in the cast and like, she obviously loved the show, mm. but like, it's I like I just like to hear her opinion on it and how she Definitely. felt about the lines because it's interesting to hear how especially women mm. feel about their characters and what their characters are saying. I would love to hear um, Leighton Meester's thoughts on Blair. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. kind of cool to hear someone and and you know she also spoke in this interview about how she pushed um, in the later seasons to have so she argued back with the writers basically yeah. or producers on how her character was being written. Yeah. And she said that they got so sick of taking her calls that they just let her <laughs> have her yeah. way, which is really cool. It's just a very cool, um, you know, way for an actress to operate, especially when, you know, she's playing a character who could, e- who was, was easily typecast into a particular right. kind of, like she said, male well, fantasy. But- it is, that is interesting to hear here is like, when I read that, I was like, oh, interesting. Cause her character undergoes quite like, she's like probably the character in the show that has the biggest change in personality from right. first episode to last right. episode kind of thing. There's mm-hmm. usually one that is like the real sort of overarching, um, hero's journey or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And that's really probably her character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool that she had that involvement and sort of was the one that like was making those calls or, or, yeah. you know, or pushing for that um, in some way. And it's, and it's so strange because like there's this real conundrum, I think with these teen shows of making the viewing aspirational enough to capture like a young audience because otherwise Mm. they will just watch adult shows if you think about yourself at sort of 14 15 like you you have you've got this like dichotomy is that the right word of like you're both really desperate to grow up and exploring the sort of boundaries of your like own sexuality and power and and whatever but to anyone like marginally sort of more mature than you or older than you like you're so obviously not grown up Mm. and so you like seek out adult things and that's why these teen shows are quite adult because like the in the industry it's always like kids watch up like if your uh age bracket Uh is between four and six then you bet three like three-year-olds are watching that show kind of you know or 10 to 12 you know eight-year-olds are watching it like that's kind of always the way that things are things are looked at and it's true if you think about your own viewing habits as a as a teenager well Um, i think you kind of want yeah, like you said, you engage with that yeah. stuff because you're, it exists and you're yeah. curious and you want to yeah. know, you want to understand and to know. And, it's, exactly. and, you know, often Gossip Girl has been criticised or was at the time criticised because of their, the way that they um, advertised the show. It was mm. like they used really sexualized. I don't know if you've seen the posters, but it would have I quotes have. from critics that are like shocking, disgusting yeah, you know, yeah. things. And it would be like shots of Serena getting made out with. And like in hindsight, we were apparently watching like a 15 yeah. year old girl having yeah. sex with a guy on a hotel bar. Yeah. Um, 
you know, which does happen, but it's like, does it? I mean, like I'm like, yeah. like maybe it's, not in yeah. the glamorous. Con- con- you know, I'm sure it does happen. Yeah, maybe, maybe olds, in New York City in in that yeah. specific. Not in. I don't mean in that context. I think yeah. like 15 year olds are having sex. It's just like just whether not in the or bar, not. In, neither or not in with the like massive, na- in a hotel. In a yeah. hotel at someone's wedding. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's not in the glamorized way that it was on Gossip Girl. Yeah, but um, it's um yeah the whole the whole sexualization of of young people and you know of teenagers really yeah and um sophia bush talking about her character and how she was 20 mm. when she, three years out of being at an all-girls school and mm. you know still being so young and playing someone who's so much more mature than her as well it is it's interesting it's interesting that adults uh, obviously coming at this and writing this stuff for teenagers yeah. and then they're depicting young adults as teenagers. Yeah. It's just strange. Like, it, it is, is a weird, weird thing that it's we've created. Hard. It's you know? like the only, like, it, it, unfortunate, and I think it's only ever going to get worse because of, like, social media and stuff. Kids, like, are so much more adult, so much younger, and even look more adult now, I guess, mm. because of, like, literally access to makeup tutorials right. um <laughs> like, and even which, like i mean i looked i was we were doing this the other day mm. like looking at finding photos from like 2013 or whatever yeah. i've looked literally the same since 2011 right and that's since the I was thing 15, like obviously like you same. do look you know you end up looking marginally y- older or younger yeah. but like kids do and they do consume a lot more media younger than they did mm. so it's never gonna it's like euphoria or whatever now i guess is mm. the answer to what skins was when we were Right, teenagers, and I remember yeah. thinking in my head, like us growing up in fucking Mount Eliza. I remember thinking in my head, like Skins is a super realistic depiction of what teenagers are actually like. <laughs> this is what we're actually like. I'm like, excuse me, yeah, like, it's just like what the oh, actual like. It's just you have this perception of that that's your reality, even if it's not your reality. That your life is full of drama when it's actually yeah, like everyone's mundane. on acid trips with their boyfriends in the middle of a school day. Like it's so ridiculous. But anyway, like I think. It's just that's the way you have to make content for teenagers to get them to watch teenage-specific content. But yeah. it, it's also, I don't know, it's... it's I just want it's, the drama. Right, you want the drama. You think want the about, drama. Think the about shit how good it was when yeah. Serena said the words, I killed someone. Oh. Think about that, how that rang in Sorry. your ears as a teenager. It was, I <laughs> can't... <laughs> no, it was so <laughs> fucked up. It still, like, gives me goosebumps. I and I just, yeah, and that's, I guess that's a massive issue is that a teenage audience is, like, over-the-top sort of content and so people make it for them and it's yeah. not... I don't know. It'll get better, obviously, in terms of the sexualization yeah. shit. But, yeah. I mean, it's interesting um, if you've seen... Uh, we were talking about this the other day, but the new promo for the gossip, the new Gossip Girl reboot that's coming out. Mm. Um, someone tweeted at one of, I think it was one of the showrunners, being like, um, "Is there going to be slut shaming and cat fights like the first season, or are you going to, you know, level up or whatever?" He's like, "No, no slut shaming and cat fights." Um, blah blah blah, and people. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> oh no, people were like, yes, like love to see some people that like, love yeah. to see it, whatever. And then I saw someone responded to him being like, um, but hang on, you know, sort of making a comment about the idea that like cat fights and slut shaming still happens though. Yeah. Like you just don't have to glamorize it, which yeah. it, you know is kind of perhaps what Gossip Girl did, is it embedded in it, it kind of had the idea that certain things are bad and certain mm. things are good. 
Um, but cat fights and, you know, well, slut yeah, shaming really does happen. Of course, slut shaming still happens, especially yeah. for teenage girls. And it does seem like if that's not going to happen, it's like, are they go- the idea that teenagers are. They were all really super mature and and sex positive or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, I didn't say that there wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be characters pitted. Because somebody was like, well, are you not going to be pitting the characters against each other? Because that's what makes Gossip Girl good. He's like, there still will be. There just won't be slut shaming and physical altercations. I'm like. Mm. Sounds kind (laughs) of (laughs) lame. I'm like, is it going to be like so, so like by the book? Yeah. It sounds awful. There has to be a line. Like you want it. There needs to. We have to engage with the actual things that are happening because teenagers are fucking slut shaming each other for sure. Maybe less than they used to, but it's still happening. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, no, anyway. definitely. I agree with you. I think um, quickly before we move on, um, just bringing up the sort of idea of, aside from like the sexual stuff or whatever, the um, general behavior of producers manipulating oh, yeah. young actors. Sophia kind of spoke about that, how they would, you know, purposefully pit or get in the ear of different cast members so that they weren't all friends so that they didn't band together essentially and unionize and all ask for more money Mm. um i thought of the thing something that i thought of that sort of tied into this which is a really weird tradition that the industry has fallen into is that six season contract thing um oh like you know how like in in network teen shows all of mm. the actors are traditionally signed on for six season contracts when they start the main right. the main actors right and like that's why often when you watch a show you'll see a mass exodus of actors after the sixth season uh-huh. or why shows <laughs> often end on the sixth season yeah because the actors won't do it anymore yeah um and and I look at a show like Riverdale and it's like, I don't think any of those actors would still be doing it if they weren't in those six season contracts. And so that's a massive contributing factor to these people, these, or these young actors, I guess, or it's not necessarily that they're like, it's their breakout role kind of thing. Um, And that's a huge part of manipulating them because you've got them locked in for six years. So they're kind of like putty in your hand for six years and they can't really, you can get out of these contracts, but if it's a guaranteed job for people who may never go on to do much else. Fighting to get out of the contract as well would probably be be more effort against the network. It'd be more effort than it's probably worth. Um, yeah, I mean it's it is it is I guess because in shows like Friends where they the cast that's exactly what right, the cast exactly. did they were incredibly close and they from I think after the first season because uh, Rachel uh, Jennifer Aniston and um, who have who played Ross again David Schwimmer yeah they both were paid more in the first season right. and then they all banded together to, and they would they did it throughout the entire time they've ever done yeah. anything for Friends they've always done it together so I get that for the network they're yeah. like we don't want them to do that no for sure but it's scary that like you that they're literally able to be manipulated to the point so that they don't do that and it does yeah. feel like if you're a young person you're incredible and you're wanting to make it you're incredibly vulnerable if you're an actor because Definitely. or even a musician but yeah. you're very much at the behest of the people who are giving you the money yeah so and it's and it's real like producers do this stuff yeah i've I've seen it like it's yeah. it's not like and obviously not to the extent that they were doing it but like people manipulate talent typically I guess because talent are so difficult and hard to please in a lot of right. ways and it probably comes from like the old studio model of like 
divas throwing fits and not going out on stage because of you know those like mm-hmm. things but like I, I think it's it's a it, with like the introduction of reality tv and stuff it has evolved into something a lot more toxic and weird like the way that not so much now because they kind of know now contestants yeah. on reality tv because if like yeah. they go on there to be instagram famous but like 15 years ago or whatever when the bachelor and those kind of things were starting for the first time they were being like so expertly manipulated by producers to get good mm. tv it's or it's unethical for sure but yeah crazy that that's how far things have come but it's good that it's changed yeah and i guess the difference is there is that if you're manipulated manipulating an actor or an actress you're manipulating them but ultimately they are playing a script and right. they're playing a character so the right. character's never going to directly reflect on no, them as a person. No, no, no. But in reality TV, it's so much more toxic because so it's, much worse. it's literally reflecting on them as a human being and exactly. impacting their behaviour on the show, mm-hmm. which can destroy people's yeah. reputations and yeah. lives. So It's really full on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Anyway, um, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay, so we're doing our closing segment, top three, which we haven't done in a while. Uh, not going to explain it. You'll just get what yeah. it is. All right, Hannah. Go first. What are the top three teen TV shows that completely fell off in the later seasons? Like got bad in the later seasons. Gossip Girl. Yeah. Um, Much all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to say Riverdale because in some ways it's gotten, it's gotten better. better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess Riverdale, though, yeah. just to, you know. Yeah. Okay, sort of along the same train of thought, but top three comfort TV shows. Mm, 30 Rock? Just, mm-hmm. just because, like, it's my favourite show and I've seen it so many times, it just makes me laugh. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't mind, like, a, a reality, like the US Bachelor. Oh, I like mm-hmm. to watch that. It's very good television. <laughs> um, and... Probably like probably Gossip Girl, yeah. But I haven't rewatched it in a long time. But it is very it really transports me to my youth. Yeah, oh, I love that show so, so fucking good. much. Um, okay, okay. all right. Is is my turn to ask you? Yeah, Sorry. yeah. <laughs> um, top three favorite teen show actors. Oh, Ryan from the OC, whose name I can't remember. Yeah, really. I lo- yeah, I really love him. Yeah. Um, Leighton Meester. Yeah. And I just love him. He's really hot. Um, yeah, I think he's hot too. Um, probably Adam Brody. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay, top three hosts or judges from any TV show you've watched. That's so random. Okay, well, Nicole yeah. Scherzinger on yeah. on the various roles she's done uh, with judging, including Australia's Got Talent, like last year alongside Manu and Lucy Durack and mm-hmm. Husey? No, not Husey. He was a previous iteration. He's I think, on the I think Husey, now. wasn't Husey on the Marcy? Oh, yeah, he's on the Marcy. Yeah, okay. Um, in saying that, of course, Lindsay Lohan as a judge on The Masked Singer. <laughs> I uh, she did that. My favorite, She's not still doing favorite. it, is she? Well, it's COVID, so there were issues last time. We have our fingers and toes believe we got for her. 2021 return. And... The host, what's his name? Chris Harrison, the host of The Bachelor US, is really okay. random and like in the show. Yeah, <laughs> so he's quite quite good. Also, shout out to Dicko. 
Uh, oh, Dicko. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Idol. It's a special, uh, um, what's it called? When you don't win, but you get like mention or special mention no, or whatever know, yeah. to Dicko. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> what are your top three bad baby songs? Okay. Even though bad baby was in my, um, in my, okay, Gucci flip flops. Um, but yeah. even though she was in my like unique listens, mm. her and Bruce Springsteen, I don't. Th- really that's why I to asked her. you. I assume. Yeah, I know. We're a fan of. No, I do Danielle. listen. I, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, like I've listened to her, but I don't really know what her different yeah. songs are. Right, that's okay. Gucci flip flops. I think I've just had her on. I don't know why. Mm. Um, oh, because she's an incredible artist. Yeah, but I can't differentiate between her songs. The Gucci flip flops is the only one I can. Fuck, fuck she's a actually fake, really fuck successful. A fake at... Bad baby fan. Yeah, bad, that's me. I don't know what they're called. The, the bad baby army. Bad baby. Um. Okay. Um. <laughs> just bad moving baby. on. The top three worst possible interior decorations that you could discover in a potential romantic partner's home. So you've been on a date. You're like There's seeing them. Like three things. You I walk have. into their house and they have this in their house as an interior decoration can it just be from any perspective like it doesn't have to be something a guy would specifically have it can just be like your it doesn't matter like it just it's specifically like somebody it would immediately just make you go no an interior like a lime green feature splashback so specific something like that renting what if they were renting and they like don't have control over that well like like can I just? I don't know. What if? Like, let me let me answer oh. my top three. Okay. <laughs> you like? Oh. Okay. I'm thinking. I can't. Okay. I can't predict. You just give. Just let me. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to figure it out. Probably like any sort of big IKEA print on the wall. Yes. Fair. Um, fair. Okay. Of anything. <laughs> anything, but just like often it's like of like a I don't know, uh, like the the. Um, Leaning Tower of Pisa, like it's always something like that. Like, right. anyway. I'm looking up IKEA prints. Um, uh, and or like, uh, like a cherry blossom. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Um, I'm just trying to think of like a third Somebody's one that would just really be. I mean, I guess like just general mess doesn't really count. Um, because <laughs> that that's the worst for me. Honestly, I don't care if you don't have taste, but if it's like disgusting. I, I care. Um, the, maybe that, like, that, that table. Bon Appetit, that... but first coffee. What? You can get a print from Ikea that says on one side, Bon Appetit, and on, yeah. the, other, on the other print it says, but first coffee. Yeah, horrifying. <laughs> um, no, the other one would be that, that classic, like, plastic chair, share house outside thing. I don't like that. I love that. No, I don't love that, that but I love it. would give me That's... an electric shock. I Fair also enough. don't like you can just get like Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night. Yeah, from, from IKEA. IKEA. Yeah, you can. But sixty dollars—that's kind of expensive. Yeah, that's what the fuck. You could print that out. Yeah. Anyway, should we wrap this up? Yeah. I'm so curious about all these prints now. Oh. Got heaps of okay. Vincent Van Gogh here. Anyway, um, let's move on. <laughs> it's real. It's legit. It's good, it's legit. good forgery. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye.